0: Today's consumer behavior shifts are only growing more complex, making it a challenge for both manufacturers and retailers to meet shoppers wherever they are. So in this episode of Tech Transformation, I'm talking with Manish Sharma, VP of Omni and E-commerce for Kella Company, about their evolution into OmniCommerce and the changes they're making across their business. We're talking about the behavior shifts they're paying the most attention to, how they're working with their partners to develop truly personalized experiences, and where artificial intelligence fits within their innovation agenda. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. I'm Lisa Johnson, the Editor-in-Chief of CGT. On Tech Transformation, we talk about the innovative trends and strategies impacting the retail and consumer goods industries. And today we're talking about what might be the golden unifying recipe for both of these industries, and that's connecting online and offline consumer experiences. So today I'm talking with Manish Sharma, VP of Omni and e-commerce for Kellogg Company, about how they're doing just that. So Manish, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. Now,
0: it's great having you here. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your role at Kellogg's.
1: Yeah, so... uh I'm, I'm the head of our Omnicommerce business. My job is to build seamless experience for our consumers, both offline and online.
0: So on uh, Tech Transformation, we'd like to talk about our first jobs and our first roles. So what what was your first job?
1: Yeah, well, uh, my journey started uh, very humbly. Uh, I've worked in my family-owned small hardware business, uh, and I've spent a lot of summers uh, working for our little hardware store. Uh, it was I think a fantastic experience and I have learned a lot of life lessons uh, through that, that actually shaped not only the way I think, but also really helped me in my career so far. Uh, I think number one lesson that I've learned from that is problem solving. As a small business owner, there's no dearth of problems that you face and there's no one look up to, right? So you do constantly solve problems. uh, And that really helped me a lot. The second thing is customer focus, you know, for small businesses, uh, customer is king and delighting consumer and customers every single at a, every single interaction is so very important uh, and that really helped me uh, in my career and the last one is resilience. Uh, with constant challenges that you face as a small business uh, and constant uh, struggle to drive growth, uh, you build a strong resilience and hustling uh, and uh, that's the lesson that I close uh, keep very close to my heart um, in my career.
0: Uh, definitely the hustling. So uh, my family was a small business owner of a carpet store. So I spent many summers as well working in the store. I have to ask, were you a coffee fetcher? Were you, did you ever spend a lot of time fetching coffee for everyone while yes, you were absolutely. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, um, okay, so I want to talk about uh, consumer behavior. Um, so the consumer continues to shift and adapt in the post-pandemic. At some point, we'll stop saying post-pandemic, but we, we haven't reached that point yet. Um, so what are some of the most recent behavior changes that you're monitoring and responding to?
1: During pandemic and post pandemic, we have seen acceleration in digital transformation and we have covered years and days. And as a result of that, we have observed a fundamental and long lasting change in our consumer behavior. Uh, it has significantly shaped uh, their decision making. Uh, and that actually has reflected in our, in our strategy as well. Uh, At the forefront of this change, um, there are three things that uh, we have been following very closely. Number one is uh, the hyper-convenience. Convenience Convenience is not a new need. Uh, Consumers have been seeking convenience, but the definition of convenience has changed significantly. Uh, They have a higher expectation, and uh, that actually has translated into our uh, strategies of reducing friction in the buying journey. So I heard
0: someone once refer to convenience as an addiction, right? So once, cons- once consumers get hooked, there's no turning back. Absolutely.
1: You're 100% right. And I think uh, th- that's going to you know drive uh, the shopping behavior now and in the future as well. Uh, and I think uh, the way we are tr- we're trying to uh, address that uh, consumer need is number one, through our content strategy. We are building content that helps reduce friction in the buying journey through discoverability of our brands, uh, through building nudges across their paths to purchase so they can help build baskets and um, facilitate their decision-making. At the same time, we are investing heavily behind marketing programs and tactic that really helps them build baskets and and meet their needs. Uh, the second trend that that we are following is fragmentation of, of attention. Uh, during pandemic, we have seen proliferation of streaming services. We have seen a surge of retailer media network, and we have seen uh, this blurring of line of social media and commerce. And that has seriously fragmented consumer attention because they are um, across all those platforms. um, And the way we are seeing this as an opportunity to truly uh, be where our consumers are and trying to engage with them on those platforms in the way they would love to be engaged with and that Mm -hmm. also actually have informed our way to play and how to win choices across those platforms Um, and we have expanded those choices in many cases to build the right experiences and integrated experiences so we can win with them where they are and the last but the most important one is uh, they are seeking transparency uh, from the brands and again it's this is not a new trend but the need has heightened in the post-pandemic mm-hmm. world, they want brands to share their value system. They want brands to share uh, what sustainability means for them, what diversity and inclusion means for them. And I think the good thing is uh, ESG is integral part of our strategy. It's 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 part of our philosophy, our business. And we have uh, started sharing those stories, all the great work that the company and the team is doing um, in the... In, in sustainability through our farmers program or fighting hunger through our days program or um, even diversity and inclusion uh, through our multicultural program and telling those stories across all those platforms that, that I talked about mm-hmm. to truly uh, be with them, to share who we are and, and try to engage with them um, through that experience.
0: So doing, being in all of these places and being in all of these platforms requires a lot of personalization, right? You can't just slap the same message across all the platforms. We know that's, that's a huge turnoff. Um, and like convenience, the term personalization has really evolved, right? It, it, it first had to establish itself and drive value. It kind of evolved from a buzzword and, and back again. Um, and it, it's incredibly critical for all organizations. So how do you define personalization within your role?
1: Yeah, actually, I think that's a great question. Uh, personalization is again, uh, it's not a new thing like all those things that we talked about, but it's relatively new uh, in the conversion world. So, as an omnicommerce lead, my biggest job is to drive conversion at the bottom of the funnel. So, in the past, uh, the biggest job of personalization was very transactional, it's just to drive conversion. It has evolved from being transactional to much more building experiences and trusted partnership with our consumer by directing the right message at the right time that helps uh, reduce friction in the buying journey that helps make them the right decision uh, and that's how uh, that's the kind of evolution i've seen and there are three forces of uh, this evolution that that is taking to the to fo- taking this forward number one is as advanced technology we have seen surge in ai and ml that is a big force of driving personalization because now you can synthesize large data and then use that to truly understand where the consumers are consumers are what they want, and then create those messages for them. The second thing is uh the widespread availability uh, and accessibility of uh data that was not there in the past um, uh, and that and that data is much more behavioral so we can really understand. Uh, what consumers really want versus you know what we thought in the past they want. Uh, and the last is ever-changing consumer uh, behavior. And at the intersection of all those three is where the personalization is. Uh, and I think the way we are thinking about this is, uh, first of all, uh, we would, our philosophy is about building meaningful relationship through personalization and have that trusted partnership. Uh, at the same time, privacy focused, because again, consumers, Uh, want personalized messaging, Uh, they want something that's very relevant for them in this noise of uh, fragmented media, but at the same time, they want brands to respect their privacy uh, and they want uh, brands to uh, care about that. Uh, And we try to strike the right balance of serving uh, the right messages throughout paths to purchase, but at the same time, be privacy focused. And as I look forward in the future, I would say feature is already here. It is just unequally distributed. So uh, the future of personalization is more predictive. So it's all about using data of not trying to understand where consumers are, but trying to understand where the consumer is going to be and build those experience for them uh, before they can demand. Uh, and at the same time, uh, be privacy focused and have personalization that put privacy at the front and center of our plans.
0: Um, So I'm glad that you uh, brought up artificial intelligence. I saw you kind of slipped that in. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a minute um, because you can't talk about technology and retail and CPG today without talking about AI. It's kind of the rule. Um, But before we get to that, I want to dig in a little more into talking about transforming from e-commerce to omni So you have a very unique point of view from this, given your role. So what can you tell us about how this transformation can drive the holistic success of a business?
1: Yeah, I think uh, our transformation from e-commerce to omni-commerce is a strategic move towards our consumer centricity. Uh, That's our philosophy of our business. And what we observe that in the post-pandemic world, uh, shoppers have been shopping seamlessly uh, online and in store. In fact, most of the journey starts online and the action happens in store. And for the same consumer, for other shopping missions, starts in store and the action happens online. And... Looking at that, we said we cannot live in silos of having an online and in-store thinking, and that's how we combine the two. Uh, And I think we believe that uh, the future of shopping is frictionless, it is experiential, and it is everywhere. Uh, And our response to that future is, we would love to have uh, uh, an omni-channel, omni-commerce strategy that is integrated it is immersive and that's intelligent. So with that philosophy, we have built this Omnicommerce thinking. Uh, and the the biggest jobs to be done for for our business is to be, build seamless and cons- consistent experiences across various touch points, both offline and online, with a goal to reduce the friction in the buying journey, to deliver satisfaction, and to to meet uh, the needs of our consumer. Uh, so as we can gain more than fair share uh, of their basket. Uh, And as we look forward into this, uh, as I said, uh, in this fragmented world, building more integrated experience, not only uh, in the online commerce and in store, but also uh, through our social commerce or through our path to purchase full funnel, enabling commerce full funnel is gonna be important. Uh, Addressing the experiential need through immersive uh, and our content strategy is playing a big role on that. We, we are trying to uh, work through video, short form video as a, as a way to build baskets, drive experiences for our consumers, and we have more plans uh, to leverage social media uh, in that realm. And the last and the most important piece is um, in the the third eye, the intelligence eye. <clears throat> we're gonna we are using a lot of AI and ML to then. Uh, help us uh, build those integration and immersive experiences uh, through the use of technology so we can uh, make it more meaningful for for our, our consumers.
0: So driving these kind of integrations and driving this personalization and driving these really... Um uh, immersive experiences requires strong partnerships with your retailers and and to do it well it requires data sharing right and this is a this is a time this is an ageless uh conversation that's been going on what's your sense right now of the industry's willingness to cooperate for data sharing today where do, where do you think more work is still needed
1: yeah uh, i think i think we are we are living in a very exciting time in the industry both on the cpg as well as on the retailer side <clears throat> and the reason i'm saying is because the environment is right, uh, there's a lot of trust uh, uh, and sense of partnership uh, in the industry as far as data data uh, collaboration is concerned. That was not the case, I would say, in the past. You know, in the past, especially in the online commerce world, uh, there was a lack of data availability, sufficiency, and even transparency. But we came to a to a stage where <clears throat> uh, there was a huge uh, urge or intent to come together in terms of data sharing. And, and I think in this cookie-less world, uh, uh, I think uh, that's that's a really, really important thing to do. Uh, I think one case in point is the first party data collaboration. And we are working with many of our strategic partners uh, in that realm because uh, that truly helped not only us, but our customers to build uh, the right consumer plans so we can build baskets win fair share for them and for us and expand uh, our, our categories. Uh, and in that, in that vein, we are looking at those first party data partnership to build more effective and efficient marketing plans, to build stronger audience strategy. And at the same time, uh, trying to understand the efficiency of those plans uh, through stronger measurement. Uh, and I think talking about measurement, uh, what what do I think uh, of work to be done for the industry is uh, a standardization of measurement. Uh, if you look at uh, all the retail media network, uh, they have <clears throat> various ways of reporting uh, their performance. The look back look back windows or the definition of uh, click through rates uh, or even the definition of ROAS I ROAS uh, as different by different platforms, and you cannot compare them. So standardization of those definitions, standardization of measurement. So all of us can then truly understand the effectiveness and efficiency of our plans. Um, so we can basically invest more uh, and, and and help drive uh, the omnicommerce thinking. And I think uh, some work is happening, but that's where I think industry has to come together uh, and try to uh, push forward the standardization agenda as far as measurement is concerned.
0: What can you tell us about what you're doing with Data Clean Rooms?
1: Uh, So our intention is to uh, have a clean room uh, partnership with our strategic partners, uh, where we Mm -hmm. are combining our first party with their first party data in a very safe space uh, with an intention to truly uh, basically build, as I said, experiences within their walled gardens Uh, that is meaningful for their consumers and that will help us expand our reach that will help us uh, build those experiences tailored at at scale for their consumers uh, so we can grow their categories uh, and and grow our business as well that's I think the number one uh, agenda we have uh, and we start making inroads on that as we move forward on that uh, we would love to replicate uh, that strategy uh, across platforms and and, as I said, the big part of uh the clean room uh thinking uh, or the use case is measurement part as well because that will truly help us understand uh the the efficiency of our plans and where we can improve.
0: Now I was gonna say it seems like one of a solution for to many of these problems that you were that you were just discussing. Um, Okay. So I want to take it just a step back to what we were talking about before. You had mentioned AI, generative AI. When you and I were first talking about this, you sent an interesting note. Um, I found it amusing that you said, you know, we used to call it machine learning until 2021, and now it's a household name. So what's your sense on the future of its use in the industry?
1: Yeah. yeah, I think I just want to reiterate that, right? Uh, what we call AI since beginning of this year, we used to call machine learning in the past. Uh, and I think the the future is generative AI. And I think uh, I'm really excited. I think as a company is very excited about that because what it does, it truly unlock the power of uh, data. By generative AI, uh, you can do things that may not be possible in the past or may take a lot of resources. Uh, but... Generating AI will will make that happen in a much quicker and more accurate way. Uh, There are multiple use cases that industry is thinking uh, generating content is one, right? Generating really meaningful content, uh, the content that can tell stories to to the consumer uh, in a way uh, that really helps them uh, as well as uh, help brands uh, to to engage. Uh, at the same time, uh, a big role of generative AI can also be reducing friction in the bank journey, and I cannot emphasize more as the fragmentation is happening. As you know, there are multiple models to win consumers uh, having a seamless uh, generative AI that can build those experience across past to purchase, which is which was not a possibility in the past is going to be the, the, the future as well. In the future, I believe generative AI can be uh, very helpful uh, in informing our innovation agenda. Uh, I think the big piece of that is reviews and rating, right? Uh, Consumers are giving wealth of data that exists on the internet. um, And there are a lot of technologies, AI technologies that can truly uh, help us understand on what consumers are asking, what they're liking, what they're not liking, and what they're demanding. Uh, And that can be really vital information to inform uh, our hunting grounds, our innovation agenda, and that can help build innovation that are truly meaningful and solving problems that consumers want to solve.
0: That's a, Yeah, that's a really interesting point. It makes you wonder what's going to happen when consumers start using generative AI to write the reviews, and then we start using AI to to understand the reviews. And I think that's the headline is so always AI is eating itself at this point. Yeah. It might, might fall under that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's happening, right? Uh, as I say, features is already here. Are, their platforms are already experimenting where rather than saying a word tracker or serial to build your aisle, you can say, uh, I would like to uh, cook dinner for a family of four with two kids. Uh, help me. And then it can build the whole recipe and it can give you it can give you all the brands and the skews and can connect to your car. So that's that's the power of generative AI. And I think that will fundamentally change uh, everything I just talked about in terms of our plans, our media tactics, and, and how we build experience through that. Because today we understand how to win with keywords, but tomorrow we need to understand how to work, uh, win with AI uh, and uh, long language models. Sure.
0: That's no, definitely an exciting time. Um, okay, so we have time for one more question. So our final question is, you know, Uh, Tech Transformation is published across both RAS and CGT for both retailers and consumer goods manufacturers. So as a consumer goods manufacturer, what do you wish that retailers knew about uh, being stronger trading partners?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I would say that uh, in the last 18 months, uh, all our retailers uh, are basically uh, our true partners and they have uh, understood uh, the need of the brands. Uh, and I think that the big transformation that we have seen is from short-term profit focus to more long-term strategic thinking where we have to come together to win in this ever-evolving space because no one truly understands, no one truly has a playbook to win in this constantly and fast-evolving omni-commerce world. Uh, and I think one thing that all of us have came to uh, an understanding is uh, basically have that strategic partnership which uh, delivers mutual value uh, and that that's the road that we have already started embarking on with 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 our uh, retailer partners. and that has basically two things that's grounded in two things. Uh, number one is uh, collaboration and co-creation. Uh, we are partnering with them to truly help build capabilities, insights, data and understanding on how consumers are behaving in this world, what's the uh, what's their buying journey looks like across different categories because it varies by categories, and how they're going to evolve. At the same time, retailers are bringing a lot of data and their capabilities to the table as well. So the joining forces uh, is very meaningful because that will help us win. Uh, and I believe that to win in this world, this partnership, and I call it three-way partnership, Uh, will help consumers uh, immensely. And at the same time, it's a win for retailers and for for brand. And that trifecta partnership is the intersection of retailers, brand and technology. I think this ecosystem is the way to win. So that's number one point point on collaboration and co-creation of future. And the second thing, and we talked about that is uh, data sharing and insights. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. there's so much of data uh, that's available in the marketplace. Uh, but the true power of data is when you can come together and unlock that data into insights that you can put into action. Uh, and that's where a lot of work we are doing with our partners. Uh, I talked about one use case of first-party data. I talked about the second use case of measurement. But but there's more to be unlocked uh, on how we're going to use data uh, in enhancing the experience, how we're going to use data to truly get to the holy grail of uh, experience shopping and technology in, 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 a, in a very concerted way. Uh, so I think uh, those are the two things, uh, uh, collaboration and data partnership, in my mind, uh, is creating mutual value. Um, and uh, I'm sure more and more brands and retailers will, will join um, that philosophy.
0: Well, Manish, those are great insights to leave us with. I want to thank you for joining Tech Transformation. You know, you're not the first Kellogg's um, person we've had on. We also had, of course, uh, Leslie Salmon and Sharice Hughes, and we always love being able to share the Kellogg's stories. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit RASnews.com and ConsumerGoods.com to sign up for our newsletter.